the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Monday. Good to be back in the studio today. Uh, We were at Sight and Sound in Branson on Friday. It was a great show. Uh, We appreciated their hospitality and all of the uh, folks that put themselves out to be on the air and make sure they were available to talk to us. I hope that you enjoyed uh, the show as well. All right, so the the, uh, governor had a press conference today and announced that uh, the approval of the federal waiver allowing Arkansas to implement a work requirement on many of the recipients of the state's private option Medicaid expansion program. And we've talked about that quite often with J.R. Davis uh, from the governor's office amongst our power panels and other group people that have been on the show. Arkansas has sought approval for such a waiver for about a year now. The Trump administration in January said it would allow states to impose work requirements on Medicaid. It already approved uh, those proposals from Kentucky, and then we thought we would get it second. We didn't. Indiana got it second, and uh, we are the third state to be uh, given the ability to do that now. More than 285,000 people are on the Arkansas program. It was created as, of course, an alternative to expanding traditional Medicaid under the federal health law. And uh, it goes on, the governor was joined by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Administration uh, Seema Verma noted Monday that the waiver does not include a reduction of Medicaid coverage down to 100% of the federal poverty level, that proposal would have moved 60,000 people off the program. The federal poverty line this year is $12,140 for a single person or $25,100 for a family of four. The administrator has agreed to continue to work with us on that, uh, but uh, did not want to wait for a did want to wait uh, for full analysis of the waiver, Hutchinson said. He, he didn't want to wait uh, to get the uh, work requirement while they were working out all of the specifics on the going to, down to the federal poverty level. He added that the work requirement waiver is, quote, not about punishing anyone, unquote. Says it's about giving people the opportunity to work, It's to give them training that they need. It's to help them move out of poverty and up the economic ladder. The plan will affect about 39,000 non-disabled childless adults on the plan who are 19 to 49 years old. They would be required to work or participate in other activities such as volunteering or vocational training for 20 hours a week. Arkansas's proposal will not affect those on traditional Medicaid programs. Approval for the Arkansas Works program 
which uh, uses mostly federal dollars to purchase private insurance for low-income people, has been a contentious issue in the state legislature with many conservatives opposed to the program's costs. Several Republican lawmakers were on hand for the governor's news conference, and uh, during the ongoing fiscal session, legislators are being asked to approve continued funding for the private option program. The uh, budget bill for Medicaid and the expansion requires three-fourths support in both chambers of the legislature and uh, vacancies that are available right now in the Senate have left supporters shy of the votes that they need. So that's something to keep in mind about uh, all this. And uh, we'll talk more uh, with the governor about this on Thursday. Uh, Thursdays are the day that J.R. Davis, the spokesman for the governor, comes on. This Thursday, the governor, Asa Hutchinson, will come on into the studio and sit down with me, and we will talk about this and offer uh, his thoughts on what's going on and how long it's going to take for this other waiver because it's both of these waivers together that uh, they're looking for to uh, get rid of um, or move people off of the state program so that we're not looking at um, as many people that are on the program right now, which is about 300,000 people. And they're trying to bring that down considerably. And by getting uh, the, the bill that they want, they, this uh, whole thing that they want of taking it and moving uh, the people who are getting on the program from 138% of poverty down to 100% would remove about 60,000 people off of the program. And right now it's more than 285,000 people are on uh, the Arkansas program. But circle Thursday. Make sure you're here Thursday at 2 o'clock or uh, hear the rebroadcast that we will do at uh, 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock with uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson talking about uh, the legislature, uh, this fiscal session, and what all is happening uh, with Medicaid expansion. So uh, that was a big story today as the governor had a uh, presser over at the Capitol today. Another story that uh, came out today was in the Demgaz, and uh, Chelsea Boozer was the writer of this story. She's the byline. Push on to lower pot case priority is what the headline says. That, of course, grabbed my attention. And here's what this article says. In the coming weeks, a Little Rock City board member will attempt to get a new policy adopted that would make arrests for marijuana use by adults the lowest priority of the police department. Ward 2 City Director Ken Richardson has been trying to introduce such a measure for the past few months. He's been working with the city attorney to draft an ordinance. He now intends to have the measure to the city board of directors uh, for the March 20th vote if the ordinance can be prepared by then. 
His proposed ordinance would make investigations, citations, arrests, property seizures, and prosecutions for misdemeanor marijuana offenses in cases where the drug was intended for adult personal use, the city's lowest law enforcement priority. Richardson said misdemeanor drug arrests have unintended consequences, such as making it difficult or impossible for people to get student loans, continue their education, or get jobs that pay well. One of the things I think contributes to a lot of the violence in our community is unemployment and underemployment. And I think that black mark on your record creates long-term consequences that make you more disconnected from society, he said. He also pointed out that people with low-level marijuana possession charges can contribute to overcrowding of the county jail if they are unable to make bail. There are at least 17 cities across the United States with some form of low-priority enforcement policy Two Arkansas cities are among them. In uh, 06, the majority of Eureka Springs voters approved a ballot initiative to make marijuana arrests a low priority there. And then two years later, Fayetteville uh, approved the same policy via ballot. Uh, The arrest and imprisonment has resulted in loss of jobs and education educational opportunities. Uh, they've gone on to say, they said that there were in Fayetteville, there were 402 marijuana arrests in, uh, 2005 and that the state of Arkansas was spending $30 million in taxpayer money, enforcing marijuana laws in a given year. Now that sounds terrible, but let's continue. An updated look at Fayetteville shows that adopting low-priority policies won't always result in fewer arrests. In 2008, three years after this was enacted in Fayetteville, there were 495 arrests. That's uh, 93 more arrests than were in 2005. That was the year in 2008, uh, the year that voters approved the low priority initiative. There were 691 arrests in 2017, a nearly 40% increase. Those numbers include both felony and misdemeanor cases. The low priority policy only applies to cases adults using marijuana where that is only a misdemeanor charge. And uh, Murphy, Sergeant Anthony Murphy, police department spokesman in Fayetteville, said, as we all know, the legalization of marijuana in surrounding states in the past couple years has made it more prevalent on the streets of Fayetteville. Therefore, if officers run into it more often. No states in or near the South, though, have legalized recreational marijuana use. 
both Arkansas and Louisiana have legalized medical marijuana, although it is not yet accessible here in our state. And any form of the drug that can be smoked is not legal in Louisiana. The states that have legalized marijuana for recreational use are Alaska, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. If Little Rock were to pass the ordinance, it could not direct the local prosecutor to cease prosecution of misdemeanor arrests. The city doesn't have control over the prosecutor's office or the authority to prosecute criminal offenses. City attorney Tom Carpenter said he has some issues with uh, Richardson's uh, proposed ordinance. In December, he sent out a memo uh, to Richardson. Carpenter opined that the city board of directors would be acting outside its authority to enact the measure. Said the Little Rock Police Department rules and the regulations do not permit an officer to ignore the enforcement of a law. Quote, if such an ordinance existed in Little Rock, then it would create a constant tension between the chief, uh, what he is directed about, because he now be directed to ignore enforcement of the law, notwithstanding city and state requirements that he not do so. He also said the city could be ineligible or disqualified from receiving federal grant money if it directed police to not enforce a particular law. Richardson disagreed with Carpenter. He explained that his ordinance would set marijuana offenses as low priority. It wouldn't decriminalize the drug or ask police to not enforce or to ignore the law. The policy would merely be, quote, establishing the pursuit of low-level marijuana simple possession offenses as the lowest law enforcement priority. Well, how do you know it's just going to be a marijuana arrest? If you find that somebody's smoking a joint or whatever, and, it, you know, they got a couple of roaches in the ashtray, are you supposed to turn your head? That's what Carpenter's asking here. Richardson doesn't understand. That's what he's saying here. When area television stations aired a segment about Richardson's proposed ordinance back in December, at-large city director Joan Adcock sent it to other board members and wrote, this is not what the people of Southwest Little Rock want. Ward 7 director B.J. Warwick replied, I have not heard this in my area either. Most folks are appreciative of the LRPD support. In fact, would like to see more coverage in Ward 7, not just drug enforcement, but all enforcement. And uh, Little Rock Police Chief Kenton Buckner, as we all know, is out trolling for a new job, declined to comment on the proposed ordinance. Quote, my job is to enforce the laws of our city, state, and constitution. Any concerns I have with any ordinances would be addressed through the proper avenues. On Quote, nice punt, Chief. All right, it's Dave Ellswick's show. We've got uh, 21 after 2. So what do you think about that proposed ordinance? Low priority. What exactly does that mean? 
I mean, I guess if the, if you see somebody puffing up, you, you just allow it to go by because it's a low priority. I mean, we hear people say this all the time. Leave the people that are just smoking marijuana alone. Go for the rapists and the murderers and all the rest. Well, it's not quite as simple as that. Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. Give us a call, 823-0965, Hey, coming on uh, Friday during the uh, 5 o'clock hour, you'll want to be here because I've got Safari Pets coming by. And uh, we'll talk about uh, whatever animal you might be interested in that you need some uh, information on. If you want to talk about allergies with dogs and cats or you want to talk about, you know, what kind of terrarium should I set up for my bearded lizard or my, you know, know, ball uh, python, whatever, they can answer your questions. And that's why I tend to have them on here. about every six weeks or so, uh, because, uh, everybody has a different taste in what kind of pet that they want. And when it comes to pets, Safari pets offers everything you'll need for taking care of your pet or pets. In fact, what they give the most to you is the whole informational deal that you get nowhere else. I mean, these folks that work at Safari pets are like, a local uh, library right to you or the local internet right at your fingertips. And, you know, you can get information off the internet, but you can't get personalized information, personalized uh, stuff that you need uh, from uh, the internet, but you can from people who have been working uh, with uh, regular and exotic animals for years. Safari Pets at 808 West Main in Cabot. Their number is 628-0067, 628-0067, of course, 501 area code, 628-0067, safari-pet.com. All right, back with you, Jay Ellswick Show, and uh, we've talked about this article today. Now, the, the story initially came out on television back in December. Now there's an article about it today because we're getting closer to this March uh, deadline, March 20th deadline, about this a uh, new policy that Ward 2 City Director Ken Richardson uh, wants to introduce to the city council. Uh, he says he's been working with the city attorney to draft an ordinance, and he's going to bring it to the city uh, board of directors for a March 20th vote if the ordinance can be prepared by them uh, by then. Uh, his proposed ordinance would make investigations, citations, arrests, property seizures, and prosecutions for misdemeanor marijuana offenses in cases where the drug was intended for uh, adult personal use, the city's lowest law enforcement priority. Now, when you say that it is the city's lowest priority would seem to me that you kind of read between the lines and it's like, don't be bothering with this. Now that that's what I hear. Maybe you hear something uh, completely different, but the proposed ordinance, let's, let's make sure we understand what it says. It says 
you're not supposed to even worry about this for the most part. In an investigation, in a um, citation, an arrest, a property seizure, and prosecutions for misdemeanor marijuana offenses. So what does, and this the only person that can answer this is City Director Ken Richardson, what do you mean lower pot case, you take those uh, pot cases and you give them the lowest possible priority? What exactly are you saying there? If you're not saying don't even go out and try to apprehend these people, then what you're saying is you're decriminalizing marijuana. I mean, for the most part, that's exactly. The majority have done that, have they not? That was what they, no, not really. I mean, look, uh, we talked about Fayetteville. Now, Fayetteville has this, and their number of arrests have gone up. I don't get that. Idiots who think they can get away with doing it anywhere they want to. I guess. I mean, uh, but I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're firing up in the car, you're the lowest priority folks. You're the lowest marijuana. He's just smoking a joint. He's it's just for adults, uh, you know, use. And there's no, no testing at this time, uh, that I know of that any of these cities have that says you are, you know, DUI at any given time. I mean, what's your THC level have to be to be, um, you know, intoxicated, so to speak. I mean, 0.08 is alcohol. What's the, you know, what's the THC, uh, on marijuana? What's the number on that? And how do you test it? I haven't seen any stories about they've got, you know, a a meter that you blow into about the only way I know that you can find uh, out about what, how much THC somebody has in their blood would be a blood test. And then are you going to say, because you want a blood test for the lowest priority for law enforcement that if they don't give one that you, they, they give up their license for a couple of months. I mean, I, I can see this causing some problems. I really do. This sounds more like kind of an end around run, the decriminalization than, um, anything else. His proposed ordinance would make investigations, citations, arrests, property seizures, and prosecutions for misdemeanor marijuana offenses in cases where the drug was intended for adult personal use, the city's lowest law enforcement priority. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Russ. A misdemeanor uh, marijuana offense could be that you're sitting in the car and you got a doobie. I mean, you're the only person smoking it. That'd be about right. Now you're the, you know, this is the city's lowest law enforcement priority. Does that mean they just let the person go 
knowing that number one, there's a Taco Bell down the down the the block, and they're probably going to stop there, or uh, you got to worry about you might be a, allowing a person who's a high to be driving down the road. Personally, I don't want people that are high driving on the roads any more than I want a drunk behind the wheel of a car driving down the road. I just, I just think that this is really uh, a piece of uh, legislation that's just kind of wide open. It's, uh, it's open to all kinds of interpretation. They even say that they can't tell the police not to arrest somebody, but it's, you know, I mean, it, it sure sounds like a double argument to me. Lowest priority. What does that mean you want the police to do? I would like him to, uh, you know, clarify that so we know exactly. I mean, I think that's what Carpenter is basically saying. City attorney Tom Carpenter said he has some issues with Richardson's proposal and his proposed ordinance. He said in a December memo to Richardson, Carpenter opined that the city board of directors would be acting outside its authority to enact such a measure. He said the Little Rock Police Department's rules and regulations do not permit an officer to ignore the enforcement of a law. If such an ordinance existed in Little Rock, then it would create a constant tension between the chief is uh, directed to ignore enforcement of the law, notwithstanding city and state requirements that he not do so. He also said the city would be ineligible or disqualified from receiving federal grants if it directed police or uh, or just directed the police to not enforce a particular law. Now, Richardson comes back, and this is, understand what he's saying. This is where I think the rub really comes in. Richardson disagreed with Carpenter. He explained that his ordinance would set marijuana offenses as low priority. It wouldn't decriminalize the drug or ask police to not enforce or to ignore the law. Now, I'm sorry. If I were a police officer and you pass an ordinance and it says lowest possible priority is marijuana offenses, you might as well tell me just to ignore it completely because I'm sure there might be something else that I could go take care of. Should I or shouldn't? I mean, you're just, you're, you're opening your, I think you're going to open yourself up for law, uh, for, um, lawsuits. And I think that you're going to cause, uh, police officers, the chief of police, all his department heads are going to be confused about what exactly are you saying? I'm going to, I'll try to get a hold of Keith Richardson, get him in here and talk about this. You know, he's, he's saying, did you say Keith Richards? Did I just say that? His name is Ken Richardson. Sorry. I thought you were thinking about. I was the, thinking uh, about the Rolling Stones. It, it passed probably from what happened to me in my youth. No, but okay. anyway, I'm just saying this Ken Richardson, we need to get him on because he, I want to just keep asking him over and over and over. 
So I understand what he expects the police to do or not to do. We need clarification, real clear clarification on this. Something tells me March 20th is going to come and go before this guy is able to put this up before the board. All right, it's a quarter till three. When we come back, uh, there's some Trump defends the, the tariffs uh, that he wants for steel and aluminum. I, I hope we all understand that that could raise price, prices uh, for things that we buy here in the United States. And uh, Nate Silver, who is the uh, 538 editor-in-chief, has picked apart the theory. You know, you know, we've been hearing this ever since uh, after the election that the uh, Republicans are going to lose the House. Democrats are going to win it. A uh, good possibility that the Republicans are going to lose the Senate. Democrats are going to win it. Well, Nate Silver is like their man in the Ivy Ivory Tower, their high potentate who knows what's going to happen. And he's picking their whole whole theory apart. He says this this race for taking over uh, the House is not just a, a, a slam dunk. In fact, he says this race for getting the House is closer than the race between Trump and Hillary Clinton. And we remember how that turned out. So we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back uh, here on the Dave Ellswick show. Remember what I've said, we'll hold the house and we'll hold the Senate. I believe we'll do both of them come November. So Dave Ellswick show 96.5 FM. Uh, the answer, our phone number eight, two, three Oh nine, six, five. If you want to get involved in the, con- the conversation, don't forget about Arrow Plumbing. Arrow Plumbing stands ready to serve you if you have any kind of plumbing problem. Uh, Earl has done a great job putting them together. I've just talked to uh, about three people here just in the last week and a half uh, that have called uh, Arrow Plumbing. They've gone out. They've worked on a problem they have at a house. Uh, these been, have all been res, uh, residential problems. Uh, but they do, you know, businesses just as well. And, uh, people have been more than just pleased. They've been highly pleased. Uh, you're going to have a master plumber show up. They're going to take a look at the problem. They'll tell you what the problem is. They're going to tell you how you fix that problem. Uh, they'll get at it and get it done and they'll get it done to your satisfaction and uh, you can't ask for anything more than that. Have a problem, get it fixed, and you'll be satisfied with it. That's the three things I know that I look for. And Aero Plumbing, they can really, really deliver on all of those counts. All right, it's Aero Plumbing. Go to aeroplumbing.net or just use Google, Aero Plumbing. Okay, so Russ, did you hear the big uh, political noise over the weekend dealing with district 15, which is, you know, Maumelle in that area. No, it didn't. All right. David Sanders is not running for reelection. What? Yeah. He's not running for reelection. In fact, a person who's running for that seat is going to be here in the studio here in about 15 minutes. 
Mark Johnson. Mr. Pulaski County. Yeah, yeah. He'll be in here to talk about that. What I've heard, now this is, I haven't gotten a hold of David, but this is what I heard. Uh, and <coughs> Excuse me. Heard it today from some people that I really uh, have a lot of uh, uh, admiration from. And they told me that David Sanders had told his wife that if anybody uh, primaried him, that he'd call it quits. He had basically asked her, could he run for one more term? Because evidently he had term limited himself with his wife and said, I'll run this many times and then I'll call it quits. And then, you know, thought better of that was talking to his wife and said, look, if nobody primaries me, um, then would you, uh, you know, have any problem with me serving another term? And evidently she had said no. However, uh, Mark Johnson stood up and said, I'm, I'm going to primary, uh, Sanders. And that's what happened is that he stepped away from the race and I'm trying to have Dean Elliott. Do you remember Dean Elliott? Do I remember Dean Elliott? I went to high, graduated high school with Dean. Okay. Well, Dean Elliott is also running for district 15 Senate seat. It's interesting, doesn't it? Very. <laughs> so anyway, we'll have Mark Johnson on in just a few moments. So stay where you're at so you can hear what all's going on out there in District 15. A lot of you belong in that uh, that area. If if Mark would win, I think you got a solid conservative there. If Kim Hammer wins, you know, you got a solid conservative uh, middle here of the state in the uh, the state senate no doubt about that so today president trump defended his tariffs on steel and aluminum that he talked about sunday night by arguing the decision would be the change needed to spark the domestic steel and aluminum industries here's what he tweeted out quote We're on the losing side of almost all of our trade deals. Our friends and enemies have taken advantage of the U.S. for many years. Our steel and aluminum industries are dead. I wouldn't go that far. I've got lots of friends that live in northwest Indiana still that work out at Inland Steel, CSX, and uh, some other uh, steel mills up in that area. Now, there's not as many people working there because they don't need as many people because of all the technology they've got. Uh, I rem- At its height in northwest uh, Indiana, right there on the lip of Lake Michigan by Gary, used to have USA, uh, USX or U.S. Steel. I uh, used to have uh, um, Youngstown Sheet and Tube. You had uh, Inland Steel. Bethlehem Steel, and there was one other, and I can't remember what the name of that one was. And they employed over 60,000 men and women out in those steel mills. From I understand now, you've got CSX and you've got Inland, and it's about 6,000 men. But they still produce 
three times the steel they produced when they had 60,000 uh, men and women working out there because, you know, they moved away from the, uh, uh, the open hearths and went to oxygen furnaces. They, they've got a lot of different uh, technology in there now. Like when they make I beams and all of that, they don't have people sitting up in the in the towers beating those I beams out. It's done by machine. So the whole thing about them being dead is is not true. So the president says, "Sorry, it's time for a change. Make America great again." Now, contrary, and this is in the art the article here, to Trump's assertion, steel and aluminum industries are dead. Steel and aluminum production have remained near consistent over the last several decades. So I was just explaining. According to Federal Reserve, uh, Reserve Federal uh, Steel production in 2017 was uh, at about the same level as it was in 1984. Aluminum production is at a higher point now than it was in 1972. The earliest year data was available on that. So Trump's tariff announcement Thursday has been widely panned by most Republicans and Democrats and has escalated tensions with American trading partners abroad. Defenders of the deal say Trump's tariffs, a 25% tax on steel imports, 10% on aluminum, will help reduce trade deficits and are an update on trade deals made generations ago. Trump is set to announce the official tariff language sometime this week. It's unknown at this point if some American allies will receive exemptions from the taxes, but administration officials said sun- Sunday that's not the plan at the moment. Hasn't affected the uh, stock market. Stock market up uh, almost 356 points today. All right, Mark Johnson's next. He's running for the Senate seat in District 15. We'll talk to him next on the Dave Ellswick Show. I guess it didn't rain today, so uh, the pollen's in the air today. Mark, it's, my eyes are starting to itch again. So That must mean springtime's around. It must corner. mean. Well, here's what I saw. I, the Bradford pears were blooming in my neighborhood, and for whatever reason, that is the worst tree in the world for me and my allergies. Wow. When they start to... Uh, doing their thing. I just, I start sneezing and coughing. Uh, my, my whole thing that I worry about is that I'll lose my voice cause that happens from time to time. So if one day you, you tune in and I'm not here, that's probably the reason is that I can't talk. But I won't, I won't name names, but a person you and I have both worked for in this business. Uh, I can remember him losing his voice before where he had no voice at all. Yeah. I mean, it just goes away. I'll go to bed, get up in the morning, can't talk. My family loves that. <laughs> it's not good for business, though. No, not in this business. <laughs> it's not, not good not for business. <laughs> All right, so let's talk here. Uh, I've had you on many a time. Yes, sir. And you never mentioned to me that you were thinking of running for state senator. Dave, I've been telling friends that uh, after 60 years of going to rodeos, I finally decided to climb on the bull. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad you are. I think you're you're a very viable candidate. Well, I you're hope good. So. You know what Ed Garner says about District 15, right? What's that? Get ready to burn some shoe leather. It's big. He said that's the key. Is going out and knocking doors. He he uh, 
reminded me, and this is a while back I was talking, uh, there were some other things involved with that race between him and Sanders dealing with push cards. However, one of the things that Ed told me was while he was at committee meetings there at the uh, Capitol, Sanders would miss some of his and go knock on doors. And Ed said, I didn't do that probably to my, you know, loss. One of the reasons I lost. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you got to get out there and knock on the doors, find some people that are, that will work for you as well and knock on doors. Say, Hey, I got a, I have a great candidate that you need to, to, uh, to, to, uh, vote for. So Dean Elliott is running as well. That's right. Okay. So it's going to be between you two. Uh, and there is no Democrat. And okay. So effectively the may is the election. Yes, sir. May is the election. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. If you win, it's over. If you lose, it's over. That's what, that's what I told my wife. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be, and and I respect these people that have to run for such a long period of time. And you remember in, in, in 2016, you had to file in November Mm -hmm. of 2015 to run for the general election in November of 2016. So these people were running for a year and I, I respect them. They worked so hard, but this one will be a little less than nine days. All right. So were you a little bit surprised that David Sanders did not seek reelection? A little, a little, I, I was, uh, I spoke to him and uh, I told him I was going to run and uh, he didn't did you, file did, and then I filed and then he chose not to. So yeah, I, did, I wouldn't did, speculate about David's okay, thought well, process. Here's what I heard. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I heard. I heard he told his wife, that he would only run X amount of terms. He had gotten to that. And he went to her and said, can I run one more term? But if I'm primaried, I won't run. And you got primary opponents. So he called to quits. I found that. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just saying that the political grapevine that I am uh, attached to, which has been pretty doggone good. That's what they told me. In fact, I heard from some of them today. To well, Dave, let me, let me just say that I respect David's decision. I certainly respect him as a family man and working things out. I've been grateful for my family, especially uh, my wife and my daughter that lives here. Even the one that lives in Colorado is doing our graphics and everything yeah, for our go. campaign. So we're good. we're a family campaign because we're uh we're just a very close family we work together business-wise as well as politically and uh, uh so I'm, I'm grateful for my family and i respect the situation with david and his family and he of course has several kids i think he's got one in college now so yeah i, I understand I've, I've been down that road part well you know you gotta there comes a time when there's other things that become more important in your life than politics you know, you, you may not feel like it, but it's the truth. You can go away and somebody else will step in and it will keep going. The world will not end if you're not taking part in it. That kind of humility is what a lot of people need sometimes. Dave. But I've, I've, I've never had that problem. I, I've watched people come and go and I never remember. I remember Frank White once saying that you go from who's who to who's he. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. I I would agree with that. 
All right, so why don't you run down for me what you think are the topics voters, you believe, voters will be most interested in as uh, you run uh, for this position? Well, first, Dave, let me say that uh, this is a big district, but it's not an area that I'm unfamiliar with even outside of my own neighborhood. I live in Ferndale in western Pulaski County. Right. Uh, we've lived out there about 13 years. We love it. It's just this beautiful little corner of the county a lot of people don't know about. So maybe I shouldn't say this on the radio. But it's beautiful. But trust me, don't all of you move out here at one time. That's out towards the uh, 4-H <laughs> yes, facility. It okay. is. It is. And it's just a beautiful area. We love being out there. Uh, so that's the very southeastern corner of the district. Uh, it does include a little of Chennault Valley goes out toward Roland uh, in the northwest corner of Pulaski County. Uh, across the river, it includes about half of Maumel and goes all the way up to the county line at Faulkner County. It takes in the area south of Mayflower, Mayflower south of Lake Conway, but does not go on into Conway. It jumps over the river and takes in all of Perry County except one little area around Bigelow, and then it you know the story of that one, I'm sure. Mm, yeah. And then, uh, but all, most of Perry County is in the district. All of Conway County is in the district. Go back into Faulkner. It's the area, say, from Greenbrier up toward uh, the county line, Damascus. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought Greenbrier was in Greenbrier's in, in it. It may not be the very west eastern side of Greenbrier, but the main part of Greenbrier is in it. And it goes all the way to Clinton in Van Buren County. Oh, that is a big district. So I looked at the map. I actually told Congressman Hill that. Now, in square miles, it's about half of the 2nd Congressional District, and not the uh, wow. population centers, of course, because Little Rock, North Little Rock, Conway are not in the district, but the, the rural part is. So it's a long district. Uh, I grew up in Faulkner County, uh, just north of Conway. Uh, where I lived is not quite in the district, but it's very close. Most of my mother's side of the family is from that area, and i got lots of cousins and cousins of cousins and friends that I grew up with that are all up in there. So it's home to me, too. So I'm fortunate uh, that I can hit the ground running, not just knowing issues like I know, but also knowing the district and the people because these will be people that, you know, I grew up with in this area. It's it's not a strange place to me. It's, it's home. All right. We're going to get a break in here. Let's do that. Quarter after three. Mark Johnson is with us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back with him in just a moment and uh, talk further about his decision to be a state senator. He'll be running against Dean Elliott uh, in District 15. Hey, let me remind you about my good friend, uh, R.D. Hopper. He owns Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice uh, for recycled auto parts. And for whatever reason... Uh, until just the last six months, I already, I always thought of Sonny's auto salvage as bumpers and quarter panels and things of that nature. Until I started talking to RD about, I was going to have to replace the transmission in my 2009 Corolla. And I said, I, you know, I was telling him how much I had been quoted by different people. And I said, but you know, the thing that bothers me, RD is that I talk to people and they'll give one year warranties with 12,000 miles, two years with 24 or maybe three years with 36,000 miles. I can drive 36,000 miles in a year. 
So, you know, that that's really a one-year warranty for me. And he says, well, Dave, you know we do that kind of work. And I said, no, I didn't know you did that kind of work. He says, sure. He says, we can find a, a 2009 transmission uh, for that Corolla without any problem. He says, it's not just what we have. We're attached to, by computer, uh, to thousands of other uh, auto salvage yards, and we can find what you're looking for. So he found what I was looking for. He gave me three years, parts and labor, unlimited mileage. That was the selling point for me. And I said, okay, well, I'll come and get it, and I'll, I'll take it somewhere else get it installed. He says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. I said, what do you mean? He says, I've got mechanics that work for me that will install uh, any of those big items. No problem at all. This happened to Val Emmons, too. She had an engine put in, Mark, into her uh, Dakota, I think, and she had them do the work for her and saved her a whole lot of money, saved me money, at least total about $800. That's pretty good savings, if you ask me, although Nancy Pelosi would say it was crumbs. But the bottom line is... <laughs> I saved a lot of money for my wallet, and I loved it, and I got to keep it in my uh, in my savings account. They can do the same thing for you at Sunny's. All you have to do is call a number, 982-7451, 982-7451, and any of the folks at uh, Sunny's will be able to give you a, a helping hand, and you might be lucky enough and get RD on the phone, and I can tell you he'll really help you. He does a great job. That's of course, Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. My guest is uh, Mark Johnson. He's running uh, for District 15 State Senate seat. This is the first time you've run for any office. For any office at all. But you've been involved in politics for years. Well, Dave, I, my dad was actually a state senator when I was born. Okay. So I go, as I said, literally... 64 years i've uh, been around the rodeo i just decided to get on the bull why this time why now what what was it that that, that said to you got to do this well dave i have been thinking about it for many years and when my kids were little i thought i would run for office and then life interferes you've life got, happens yeah you've got to raise your kids and get them off to college and pay for college and all the things that uh, go along with all that. and Good you, reasons why you might right, not be able to run right. for state And, and you, you get into your uh, your life and your business, and it you have obligation, in my case, obligations to my clients that juggling that and, and being a candidate might not work well. And uh, uh, I'm very grateful for the business I've had. It's, of course, like anybody that's been a small business person, it's up and down. You have some bumps in the road, but, but that's part of the process of, uh, things that you learn that make you a better legislator is you've you've been through these experiences and it, it, you can relate to the 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 various uh, people in business out there that come to the capitol and say look we've got this problem this month it's the pharmacist it's the local pharmacists yeah. uh next They're month suffering. it may be somebody else but but you you have an affinity for these people because you've kind of been you've been one of them and you're with them and so that's uh part of it i i have to say probably one of the greatest motivating factors is that i love this state and i don't like to see it besmirched and when we have state senators that are pleading guilty to felonies or are you know going you know being indicted mm -hmm. uh for not something they did over 
on the side, but public money corruption, then <clears throat> that's that's bad. It, I, it bothers me very much. We have a, a certainly, go use a Nixonian term, a credibility gap yep. with our legislature, and we need to uh, uh, step back in and put some teeth in the ethic. You know, eth- everybody talks about ethics. You know, we had a big ethics amendment a few years ago, and the main thing it did was extend term limits. But Yeah, because it wasn't much of an e- anything in ethics, to be honest with but, you. But uh, uh, it, there's some things that when you've had this kind of, of corruption, and that's what it is. I could come up with, you know, it's corruption and it's theft. It's stealing from the taxpayers. And the General Improvement Fund, which in some ways – it's done some very good things. It's a good thing in that it helped volunteer fire departments and senior centers and things that, that truly needed help. But because of lack of controls and the, the opportunity for corruption, uh, we had some abuses. And, you know, if, if out of 135 legislators, if 132, 133 of them do it by the book and mm-hmm. do it right, and some of the projects, eh, maybe I wouldn't have gone along for that. But that wasn't corruption. It was just some, maybe some constraints I would have seen a little different. And then you have, you know, two or three that we know of, there may be others, that were stealing it. And that's not acceptable. It's just not. And, and Arkansas deserves better. And while I'm going to keep an open mind about a lot of legislation that you know, it's easy to sit on watch TV and say, I know how I feel about that issue. But when you actually have to make a decision, you have to study it and learn it and do it the right way and be a little more methodical. But when it comes to the ethics thing, first thing out of the box I will be doing is working on legislation to tighten up those rules. Not not rules, tighten up the law, where if someone does that, there are severe penalties for it. Yeah, maybe if the penalties were more severe than perhaps a slap on the uh, the hand. Although, what happened to Judge Maggio, I think, sent a very straight message to some politicians out there because they've all kind of gotten tied up in kickbacks and, and money going to their, you know, their, their war chest and things of that nature. Well, that you're, you've touched on some of the things that specifically need legislative changes. Now, yeah. Now, the House and Senate individually have rules of, of ethics that are outside of the law. They're trying to sort of police their own members. But these people are public servants. They should, there should, These things should be in the statute. They should be in the law. There should be something that a prosecuting attorney can enforce against them. And you mentioned the situation, in, in, again, in, in Faulkner County, mm-hmm. part of my district. Uh, I mean, someone bribed a judge. Yep. I mean, you could sugarcoat it all you want to, but the judge took a bribe and and that's part of that problem that I'm, I'm speaking of. But, Mark, I'm still flabbergasted. You have a man who took a bribe, who offered, who paid the bribe, and why haven't we heard anything about those people? Dave, I hope we will hear something. Uh, you know, I remember someone pointing out, uh, during some of the Whitewater time, it, it, they were they were saying, "Look, gee, it looks like that fellow over there was involved in a conspiracy of one." Mm-hmm. And there is no conspiracy of one. That's correct. And, and you know, we all speculate about what the feds are doing. We we've, we've seen more things come out. Some of the we had a former legislator from uh, uh, North Central Arkansas uh, was actually indicted in Missouri. 
Uh, we've had uh, this. This stuff is trickling out, and, and you know, let the let the prosecutors do their job. Yeah, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Well, sometimes you know the FBI will. They know they're coming after someone, but they don't want to tip off the other targets no. that they're coming after. So I'm I'm not going to try to guess. I'll wait and watch like the rest of us have to. All right. We'll come back, and we got another half hour. Mark, I'll get into some of the topics that are going to be hot and heavy if he gets elected when he gets there. I can tell you that 2019 will be a very interesting general session. Uh, but we can come back and talk about a few things that are going on during the fiscal session because – with Eddie Joe going, a death that we had over in another county. Uh, we just had another senator had to step down from being a senator over in the west side of the of the state in the Fort Smith area. There's a lot of empty seats right now that we need to talk about because it's going to have an effect on some of these uh, areas. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Hey, don't forget about Lewis Family Beef. Cody and Sarah Lewis have their own ranch up there in Greenbrier. Their cattle are born there. They're raised there uh, on their ranch. Uh, They do not give their cattle that they feed to you any antibiotics. If they give antibiotics to a cow, it's taken out of the the food chain, so to speak, and they don't fill their uh, cattle up with hormones. They know that the cattle make hormones, but they don't feel like they have to add any to it. Uh, you can buy a quarter cow, a half of a cow, a whole cow. The packing house will get a hold of you. You'll set it up of how to have that uh, meat cut up. And then the Lewis family, after it's all been uh, cut up and, and wrapped up and, and frozen, uh, are going to deliver that beef freely to your home. You can give them a call. Call Cody or Sarah at 501-514-1494. Or go to Facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. They'll take good care of you. Back with you, Mark Johnson is my guest. He's the uh, Pulaski County Chairman for the Republican Not Party anymore, Party. Dave. Did you, did you already resign? Right. I had to resign under the rules when I, I had an opponent in the primary. Oh, okay. Uh, you have three days to resign. And uh, one of the reasons I waited to file until a little closer, I file on Tuesday because the rules say that if you're a county chairman, you must resign within three days if you're in an opposed primary. So I waited to make sure I could get all of our local candidates filed, which I did. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, some exciting candidates. We've got a candidate even for Pulaski County Clerk, and uh, his name is Steve Walden. You might want to have him on sometime. Okay. But, but I took care of those responsibilities, and then I submitted my resignation effective Friday. Now, I'm still president of the Arkansas Republican County Chairman's Association. Okay. I didn't have to give that up. but uh, So who's taking your place uh, in Pulaski County? Well, we have a, sec- a first vice chair and a second vice chair who uh, will ascend, I guess is the right word, when we have our, our meeting later this month. And uh, one of those two will take on those responsibilities in the interim. And uh, uh, they're both wonderful people. and. Uh, They'll, they'll work it out between them of who's going to do it. And, uh, I'll let the County committee of which I'm a member, I'll go and vote, but I'm, uh, let the total membership decide how to proceed. All right. Now let me remind you, uh, that the election, uh, will be in May. May 22nd. There is no Democrat running for uh, district 15 Senate seat with that in mind. Whoever wins the primary will win the seat. That's correct. At that point. 
Uh, I wanted to go back and talk to you about, you know, we were talking about some of this uh, graph that was going on, and and then we've had some other seats open up. Uh, we're looking at, you've got Eddie Joe Williams resigned That's from right. uh, uh, the district. Your area. Cabot. Yeah, right in my district. He's mm-hmm. my state senator. Um, sorry to say that uh, Mr. Lemons uh, resigned as the state representative. Well, he's not running again. He didn't yeah. actually resign. Well. That's what his I wife has been ill and yes, she has been. He's, she's been very brave and a very sweet lady. And, and so, you know, Janice Clemens is just a, a fighter and we pray for her yeah. in her illness, but, uh, Tim decided not to run again. So when, now I haven't heard about who may be running for that particular seat. Have you heard anything? I haven't, I've been so tied You've up been in my up own, with your own thing. Going I on. haven't had a chance to look at it. I do know about some of those around uh, the state that, uh, uh, or a little, I hate to say more high profile, but uh, Tim only made his decision right toward the end there. So. Yeah, it was it was I think the week of filing, if I'm not right, mistaken. Right, but uh, uh, I, I do follow some of them, but I haven't since the Tuesday before the filing deadline. I've been one busy boy, I can tell you. All right, so we've got uh, Eddie Joe. We've got the gentleman that just passed away, uh, Senator Standridge right. from the Russellville District, area, District 16. Yes, sir. All right, and I think that runoff election may be tomorrow. I'm not sure. I believe it is. It, it, it's a, obviously it's a Tuesday, and I, I yeah, couldn't remember. If it's not, call eight two three zero nine six five. I believe. You know, I believe that's us. correct. But I think that that's correct. Right. Uh, we'll have another one, another election that has to be taken care of for out in Fort Smith, and that one's an interesting thing because uh, the senator files resigned, as we know. We mm-hmm. talked about that. Uh, the governor under the law had to call a special election and you in effect have a special election and the normal primary and later general election right. all going on concurrently. Uh, so it, that's going on in Fort Smith, uh, as we speak. That'd be crazy. That's going to be crazy. But here's the thing. It throws a wrench, uh, into what's going on in, in the fiscal session right now. Uh, the, uh, the whole thing about, uh, uh, Arkansas works and what Asa Hutchinson wants to do is kind of on the back burner right now, because in the Senate, he may not have the necessary votes to get it approved because it under law, it has to be approved. I think every year, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, that's going to cause problems, uh, getting those votes. And so we literally looks like we're going to have to wait to see who's going to be in all these other positions that come in. Now, Hill won uh, Eddie Joe's old seat, and he be, there was not anyone running for that seat on the Democrat side, so he is the new state senator there. Now, does that mean that he'll come over? Would you Do you know by law, by, by Republican rules, does he come on over and take his seat? I, I don't know the fact that, he won the primary and there's no Democrat doesn't make you immediately the Senator. Just like if I went on May 22nd, I still, it'll be January before I become the Senator. So I don't know how, I think you do have to wait until the date that was set for the general election. And then once he's certified uh, being a special election, once the vote's certified, I believe he can take the oath of office. Now, now, that's see, my now, understanding. See, I under, I understand that with you. Because Sanders is still senator he until is. 
the beginning of next year, yes, then you sir. take over the position. Yes, sir. But Eddie Joe resigned, so there was no state senator. So if he won and then you turn around and uh, there is nobody running on the Democrat side for the general, I would think they would say. But, but Dave, what happens is the governor set the elections. He set the special primary yep. and he set the special general. And he, those dates are locked in now. And, okay. he, and if the Democrats, for some reason, chose not to have a candidate or no one wanted to run, they still got to go, I believe, to that day. Now, I, I stand corrected if someone says I'm wrong, but uh, that's the, the timetable that was set. Well, that's going to be it's interesting because I believe a lot of people, they didn't do a whole lot about Arkansas Works and stuff until, I believe, now. And the reason being is that everybody wanted to know were they going to be challenged or not going to be challenged. And once they found out, yeah, I got a challenger, then that might let them play their cards a little bit differently than if they're not challenged in the primary or in, or in the general, you know, they can do a few things more. Well, that's the system. That's why we have elections, Dave. So, <laughs> so people could, you know, if you didn't have an election very often, then people could pretty well do what they want to, but you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a big part of it, and uh, uh, it, and not don't forget the fact that fiscal sessions are in the even numbered years when we're also having the primaries yep. very very soon. In this case, in a couple of months. So uh, that that, that's, and I think that's good. It, people uh, should be able to put yeah, the heat on. Saying, their we're not liking what you're doing. Better better change your mind or. You know, we can put somebody else in there running for that well, office. Well, it's that old, well, gee, you know, they've got short memories. They won't remember. <laughs> well, they don't have to remember very long when there's an election in May. You're right. All right. Bruce is in North Pulaski County. Hey, Bruce, how are you? And welcome to the pretty, Dave Ellswick Show. Pretty good. There is a Democrat for Eddie Joe's old seats. And oh. that, uh, Rick Hill will face him in the May primary date. Okay, I okay. had not I had not heard that uh, the Neely, Democrats Neely, had somebody. Steve Neely. Okay, so he'll be running in the general election. So Hill now is going to be the man that runs against. And it's him. the same. The special election is the same yeah. day as the May primary. Yes, okay. that is correct. So after he's certified, the winner of that race is certified. Then they would be able to be sworn in, and that would be one more uh, Senate seat that's filled for the rest of the year. All right, all right, that's Bruce. Correct. Thank, okay. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks, Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Yeah, because I, I hadn't heard Shows that. Shows how well I was keeping up with that district. Yeah, I'm so I, busy I looking thought there wasn't home. anybody there, and uh, there was evidently. Uh-huh. So they'll take care of that. Should have uh, remembered that, but that's uh, yeah. there's a lot going on. For <laughs> there are, and, and there's several of them, as you mentioned, with three vacancies in the Senate right now. All right, so let's talk about when I come back. We'll have about 15 minutes left. Let's talk some issues that are out there because i i i would never have said the second amendment was a big issue until the parkland shooting and for whatever reason it seems to me there's a lot of people have lost their minds because of that that shooting they've lost all reason to be honest so i got some questions about that i want to talk to you about arkansas works as well so the dave Ellswick show 96.5 fm the answer Horton's orthotics and prosthetics, a family owned business right here in little rock. And they've got a lot of satellite, uh, operations around the state. I know they just opened a brand new facility 
in Conway. So you folks over in the Conway Greenbrier area can uh, avail yourself of their services. It's a family-owned business that has real empathy for their customer base. Uh, You've heard uh, Mike Horton talking here on the station about his number one um, thing that he wants to see happen is that if you need prosthetics or an orthotic, that he wants you to have as much mobility as you're trying to reach so they can uh, they can help you out with that and they do a fantastic job you got the father gary who started the business now you got mike and chris working over uh, with the prosthetics and orthotics the daughter uh, tanya working up in bryant at the uh, offices there and they've got about five or six other other locations and if you'll just call 501-663-2908. They'll give you all of those. So if there's one that's closer to you than just here in Little Rock, uh, they can help you out. Ladies, uh, if you've had uh, breast surgery and uh, have had to uh, have your breasts removed because of breast cancer, then uh, Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics are the people that you want to talk to to help you out. In fact, Trina, who works there at Horton's, is going to be my guest here in the next week, and uh, she'll talk about that specifically so you can get your uh, self-esteem back and self-confidence back. 5220 West 12th Street is their location here in Little Rock. Phone number 501-663-2908. That is Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. All right, let's finish up with our guest, uh, Marcus been here for the hour. Mark Johnson's running for the state Senate seat, District 15. So uh, Second Amendment, a lot of people saying we should raise, uh, and, and that would be a national issue, raising uh, the, the, the the age of buying guns, although it could be a state issue as well. Uh, you've got uh, people talking about, uh, you know, making kids have to be 21 years of age or maybe not being able to buy an AR-15 at all or some semi-automatic uh, uh, rifles. I mean, this is nothing that you would legislate against, but Dick Sporting Goods says they're going to quit selling any kind of semi-automatic weapon. They might as well take their guns out of their cases then. There's just about every pistol and rifle that we have. How do you view the, the Second Amendment now, Mark? Anything change? For you, yeah, go ahead. Not at all, we not at you. all, Dave. I, the Second Amendment says that the right of the people to come to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and you cannot help but just cry over the tragedies we've had recently. And then you have to stop and say, you know, when we have serious accidents on the freeway and people die, they don't say well, we need to ban cars or we need to you know, make cars only go 30 miles an hour. They don't blame the, or people are drunk when they're driving. They don't blame the car. We don't, we shouldn't blame the tool. Uh, We have to look at the people. Now, in the case of these young people, how did these people get to be that way? Uh, Almost all of these shooters have been children without males, without a male role model in the household. The government has subsidized in many cases, the breakup of the family. Not, we've, we've, 
families break up. That's a sad uh, truth in our lives. I'm fortunate that my family's together. My parents were together for almost 60 years. Uh, and, and, but I know a lot of people haven't been blessed like I have. But when we have young men that are needing of a mentor in their life and a father figure and they don't have it and this is the result of of destroying the basic unit of our society which is the family now uh i'm pro second amendment i support gun rights i don't think you know you think about this uh if you're 18 you can go into the army and they'll they'll give you an m16 which you know the effect fully automatic version of the ar yeah yeah, or at least the new ones, I think, are three-round bursts. But the point is that they'll put put something in your hands that is very dangerous. But uh, if, if you're old, you know, when in our generation, Dave, it was when they gave the 18-year-olds the vote, it was if you're old enough to die, you're old enough to vote. Yeah, and that, at that time, we had, of course, the uh, the lottery was in, fa- in, in effect. Right. Uh, whether you went into, uh, you know, being... Drafted inducted, or not. Yeah, yeah. Drafted, inducted sure. into the military. But the point was, Vietnam War was fought by 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids, and they were kids. These are my – I was a little bit younger than that, so I had a, I had a draft card and a lottery number, but mm-hmm. they stopped drafting when I was in the magic year of 19 because uh, uh, I was – I graduated from high school in Conway in 1972. But uh, we were trusting these young people – to fight a war and i don't think that's the problem i i I think everyone it's the old thing that when you have a hysteria the response of a lot of people that we got to do something we got to do something and maybe we need to stop and look at this a little deeper and look at the real problems and and our, our societal problems certainly mental health gets into that we need to look at some ways where People with mental problems are identified and, and get some help, you know. And there, there are people out there that are dangerous as they could be if they're not on their medication. So we need to look at this systemically instead of this knee-jerk reaction, which is the, the Rahm Emanuel thing, never let a good crisis go to, go to waste. And yep. unfortunately, that's what I think has happened. Okay. So we, Second Amendment, we can count on you to, to stand up for the Second Amendment. I will stand up for the Second Amendment. Now, that I'm... I treat each piece of legislation that's going to come before us as a standalone thing to look at. But my basis of my philosophy is a belief in the Constitution, and that's what the Constitution says. All right. With that said, let's move to the issue that probably has the most contention uh, at the state legislature at this time in, in Little Rock, and that is Arkansas Works. If you were sitting in the Senate right now, would you vote to continue Arkansas Works, or would you say there's a better way that we should do this and we need to get to it? Well, Dave, that's a good way you pose the question. I think it's important that you did it that way. Uh, if I were asked today to vote up or down on Arkansas Works the way it is currently constituted, mm-hmm. I would probably be voting against it. However, I know with the Trump administration making changes to Obamacare and pray to the good Lord, maybe getting rid of it. Uh, it's already the, the individual mandate being scaled back is a tremendous step. Yeah, it's on life support. Uh, right, and, and I hope we can see some, some positive changes. And I want, I want to say that we had some encouraging news in the paper this morning about uh, the waivers. I'm for having people that are able-bodied and able to work 
working to get some kind of assistance. And we need a transition thing from people that are on welfare, and that's what uh, uh, Medicaid is. It's welfare Mm -hmm. to people that are self-sufficient, and we need a transitional way to do it. And I I appreciate there are those that I may not have agreed with their methodology. That's what they were trying to do. But uh, uh, that's kind of where I would be in, in, in March of 2018. Now, in January of 2019, I'm hoping there's some changes, especially those coming out of Washington. But my biggest concern about Arkansas Works, Dave, is that I don't see it as sustainable. I see it as a, a program with so much growth in it. You know, we, we, you know, like one year we spent over $11 million paying premiums for inmates in the Department of Correction. Yeah. They're already, they have their health care They taken already care got of. free health care. That's it, right. It shows that the system, that the, the bureaucracy that has to run it is so messed up that to me, that's not, that's an over $10 million mistake is shows there's some management issues or at least some, some weaknesses in the mechanism of this program that uh, the state of Arkansas needs to deal with. And it, it goes to show how in so many ways spending is just out of control in this state. It's just the system. It's gotten so big and it's so unmanageable that even the good guys trying to manage it, stuff like this falls through the cracks. Yeah. I kind of like what Idaho is trying to do, uh, allowing their commissioner of insurance, our Alan Kerr, to be able to go to the uh, insurance companies that are working in your state and saying, these do not have to be ACA compliant. Give us some low payment insurance plans for people so we can cut their, you know, the amount of their, of their plan. And Dave, some people just need some catastrophic coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I look at the, and again, that's the whole problem with Obamacare. It's one size fits all. Yep. And we get when you have a, a program that says we don't care that you're a convent filled with nuns, you've got to have maternity benefits written into your policy. That kind of madness is the problem. And we need to have some common sense reforms and competition because competition brings down prices and lack of competition causes prices to go up. We need to have alternatives. We need to open up selling across state lines. All the things that that we saw Obamacare kill that, I mean, we needed to reform health care, but we needed to go the more free market direction instead of the more socialistic direction. All right. This man's looking to be the uh, state senator of District 15. His name, Mark Johnson. Uh, you'll get to pick if he's going to be the next state senator on in May. That's coming up. May 22nd. And uh, we've, he's got a, a challenger as well. And we'll try to get the challenger on and give him some time to talk to us as well. But uh, we appreciate you coming in, Mark. Great. Thanks, And being Dave. part of the Dave Ellswick Show. If you want to come in again before Election Day, just let us know. All right, let's get a break in here for Fox News. Conduit for Action is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to it. Conduit for Action should be uh, joining us here momentarily. They're going to give us a call, and then we'll uh, get their uh, discussion going on with us. Uh, Some other information is out there that we need to kind of cover as well. Maxine Waters out making a whole lot of noise. Uh, She promised attendees at a community meeting in Selma, Alabama, that she would take care of Ben Carson 
if Democrats take back the House in the 2018 midterm elections. Let me just quote Waters talking here. I wish I had, there there was about a three-minute piece of audio, and I could not lift it. If I could have, you'd be listening to it right now. Quote, let me tell you this, Waters told the room after endorsing a reparations bill originally sponsored by former Michigan uh, Congressman John Conyers. Quote, in order to get where we need to go on this issue and on other issues, we've really got to understand that 2018 is important to taking back the House and taking back the Senate. Congresswoman Waters looks, uh, looked on to all of these people uh, and says, we've got to get the White House back. If we want to get to the point where we can get reparations, we've got to have the power to do that. Number one, by having a supportive president would be wonderful, but taking back the House would be absolutely wonderful. Water closed by reminding her audience she is, quote, the ranking member of the Financial Services Committee that oversees Wall Street and HUD. And by the way, we're going to take care of Ben Carson, too. So uh, just to uh, let you know, she's got her eyes on uh, Dr. Uh, ben Carson. I doubt, I don't think he's losing any sleep over it right now. The other thing that is out there and that Maxine Waters taking, talking about taking back the house. I mean, she's been, she's been right there with Pelosi the whole time saying we're going to do it. And there's been a lot of uh, hubbub out there by the Democrats, how they're going to, to do that. And they have been, uh, they were about 15 points up in a generic poll over Republicans here just recently and uh, not feeling that way now, uh, I would think, because now Republicans have a two to three point, depending on who you look at, uh, lead over the Democrats. And one of the Democrats' most uh, loved pollster is uh, Nate Silver who runs the uh, 538 website. He's the editor-in-chief. He picked apart a theory that Democrats have already won the House majority in 2018. I mean, if you've been watching them talking about this, it's exactly what you would take away from it. There's no way that the Democrats will not win uh, the control of the House next year. He argued Monday that many pollsters predicted former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton would beat President Donald Trump in a landslide in 2016. Quote, seems like people haven't learned too much from 2016, Silver tweeted today. Democrats are modest favorites to win the House, but not particularly heavy ones. It's less than Clinton was in November 2016. And that race was much more competitive than news accounts even imply. Silver was referencing an article in Axios with the headline, Democrats may have already won the House. 
Clinton was an outright favorite leading into Election Day 2016. Even as results started rolling in on election night, the New York Times had Clinton and her chances of winning at 85%. Now, that started falling significantly after she started winning states like Pennsylvania and Ohio and Florida. The Times was not alone in its assessment. ABC, The Washington Post, NBC, and Real Clear Politics all had Clinton defeating Trump leading into the final days of the election cycle. And I don't need to tell you that Hillary Clinton is not president. And I do not need to tell you that this president, I think, is set for eight years. I mean, look, you got that tax cut through. People are seeing more money in their paychecks. I think that he did a great job here just recently uh, meeting with uh, a lot of heads uh, over in the Congress or the Senate and the House side talking about guns, not talking about, you know, gun control, but talking about there's things more important than controlling guns. Uh, there's things to talk about when you're talking about, you know, mental health issues, family issues, and things of that nature and getting people to be involved in that. So uh, I think he played that one very well by letting the media in and uh, having like kind of a town hall amongst the movers and shakers that are going to make a lot of these decisions. Of course, uh, the heads of both the, the, of the Republican Party and both the House and the Senate said that they're going to look at a comprehensive a gun bill, but it is not going to happen anytime soon. There's a lot of things that have been, uh, you know, somebody's come up with an idea, uh, but they're not going to implement them until they get in there and check out all of those ideas and make sure what the pros and the cons are. So it will be very interesting to see how this all works out. Let me see what real clear politics is saying today. I haven't uh, brought it up in the last few days, but uh, I can kick over to it right now. They're really good about having it for us. So real clear uh, politics. And here we go. Jumping over to it. Bring it up. It's not, of course, when you want them to load up, for you quickly. They never do us, do they? So let's try this again. Uh, real clear. Cause I want to see what their generic poll is today. All right. Here it is. going to bring up their polling data here. Here it is. Okay. Elections 2018. And as I'm looking here, uh, what do we got? Congressional 
is that uh, it's running four Democrats right now, but only plus three. Uh, Hyde Camp for senator in uh, North Dakota right now is uh, plus three. In Florida, uh, Nelson is plus four. The Utah race is Romney plus 46. In uh, the uh, Texas, the, the uh, Democratic primary there uh, looks to be Valdez plus 19. These are all red. So, you know, you're looking at Republicans. Texas Senate plus 88. You move a little further down, Pennsylvania uh, plus 6. I'm looking for the generic for you now. And I don't see it at this time. I'll take a look closer and see uh, what they're saying. It's about 17 after. Let me take a break and I'll come back and give you the generic on it because it's not anything like it was at the beginning of the year. All right, Dave Ellswick show here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. All right, so back with you. The generic poll right now has plus three to five with the Democrats, which literally is no lead at all. It's looking like a, a dead heat at, at this uh, uh, this time. Longtime Republican uh, Senator Thad Cochran announced uh, just uh, a few moments ago that he will resign effectively April 1st. The Mississippi senator has been battling health problems. Cochran, 80 years old, first elected to the Senate in 1978. My belief uh, on this, uh, that uh, if you were elected back in the 70s, you should have already stepped aside for somebody to uh, to join us uh, about this. All right, so uh, I just heard from Brenda uh, of, of, uh, of conduit for action, uh, that they'll join us right after the four thirty break. They're in Russellville right now at a campaign for early voting in uh, district 16. So, uh, they're, they're working hard on district 16. So right now, uh, the Democrats are, uh, in, uh, a basic, uh, generic tie with the Republicans and, you know, they had uh, a way big double digit lead, uh, up until, uh, February and the, uh, tax cut that the Republicans passed, uh, went a long way of erasing that. And they keep talking about the Democrats do about how that is just crumbs that the, uh, the people are getting, and I don't think the people feel they've been offered crumbs and they're, you know, they're happy. They're happy as well. Uh, what they're, what they're seeing with their, uh, 401ks and all the rest. I know I'm happy with my 401k and the uh, stock market right now is up 336.7, uh, up over, uh, almost, uh, 1.5%. Uh, NASDAQ is 72.84 up almost a percent and the S and P 500 up about 30 
uh, and that's uh, 1.09%. All right, so I understand that Brenda and Joe have joined us from out in Russellville. I'll bring them up. Hi, guys. How's the rally going? Great. Uh, I haven't started just yet. It starts at 6 p.m., but, uh, you know, we've been busy all day and, and barely had time to come up for air. Sorry we missed your, uh, you know, missed our assigned time. That's that's all right. I've got, I had some other things I was talking about, the generic polling uh, dealing with uh, Republicans and dealing with Democrats uh, for the uh, election up in November. Take it for what you will at this time. But Nate Silver came out and sent kind of a warning. And you know how much the Democrats love Nate Silver. Uh, came out in 538. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief, of course, of that website. Argued today that pollster predict, uh, pollsters predicted Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton would beat uh, Donald Trump in a landslide in 2016. He says, haven't you people learned anything from 2016 yet? See, they keep, they keep telling us, or they had been telling us, that it was going to be another uh, tsunami win for the uh, uh, Democrats, and they were going to win the House and just might win the Senate too. And I was thinking, you know, are all these people uh, living out there in the states that made recreational marijuana legal? Because I sure don't see that kind of a tsunami coming. How about you guys? Well, I think the first question that one has to ask is, what's the difference between a Republican and a Democrat in today's world? And if there is no difference, then what does it matter? And if there is a difference, what is that difference? And how do you manifest that difference into reality in the legislature or Congress? All right. Well, I think uh, I'd much rather have the Republicans in control than the Democrats. I'm not saying that there's a 180 degree difference, but I do believe there's a, a decided difference there that I would much rather uh, be on the Republican side than on the Democrat side. Well, I think in Arkansas, you're seeing a strong push by the Democrats to blur the difference. And you're seeing a strong push among the Republican leadership, the establishment, to say there's no difference. I mean, Charlie Collins came out this weekend in an in article, as did Jim Hendren, basically saying, you know, oh, can't we all just get along? And really, Charlie emphasized how Medicaid expansion really should make the Democrats happy. And I think that that is, um, you know, more consistent with their agenda than the Republican platform. Now, let me ask, let, let me just yeah, jump in real quick, Joe. Your all's take about Hendren being made the head of the uh, the state Senate. I got problems with that. <laughs> well, what about separation of powers? What about that he's, you know, do, do tell. <laughs> you know, uh, Ace is his boss in, in uh, his military uh, National Guard or, or, or whatever he's his position is now in uh, Arkansas and, you know, uh, our governor's his boss there. And uh, yet we're supposed to assume that now he's going to give up the Republican agenda, which will be, I guess, exciting to learn. And he's going to be sort of riding herd over the Senate and keeping them from sexual assault and uh, sexual harassment. That was a relief to learn. Yeah. I just, I was just stunned. Uh, when I, when I saw that happen and whoever was running against him was not pleased the way it was done because when they, uh, when I think Hendren was even the one who 
said somebody asked him if he had set, seen the ballots and they said the ballots had disappeared that is concerning as well what struck me was the uh the tone in the talk business article about the senate's decorum was extremely important to maintain now i don't understand what does decorum have to do with anything when you're passing laws that that are uh, and putting ballot initiative initiatives out that are extremely deceptive so you you can lie and cheat and steal as long as you do it with proper decorum is, is that the deal yeah i i got problems with that whole decorum goes because usually it's a side that uh is not showing the most decorum that always yells that there's no decorum <laughs> you got it brother you've got it man you are you are wise beyond your years <laughs> well we see that we see that Senator or ex-Senator John Woods is going to continue on with the trial, according to Judge Brooks' ruling on Friday. And you have uh, Senator Jake Files, who's admitted to, uh, you know, his shortcomings in the federal uh, indictment series. So you've got convicted and to be convicted senators. Is that the decorum he's addressing? Yeah. What Those are you... favorites? So what do you what do you all think about David Sanders not running for reelection? Well, we'll we'll see, but uh, we've got our our uh, ideas on that. Well, I mean, it was almost as I can't imagine there being million, you know, million documents. Uh, I was hoping that that was a misprint in the paper talking about Judge Brooks ruling. Maybe it meant million dollars, you know, of dollars, but it certainly said documents. So I don't know whose names might might be tracked. Yeah, I I don't know, but uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, primary. Whoever wins the primary wins the seat. Uh, That will happen, of course, in May. If you all uh, uh, hang around and just wait for just a minute, we'll be right back with you. Got Fox News coming up, and then we'll be back with Brendan Joe from Conduit for Action, and we'll talk about uh, again some more about District 15. Talk about District 16 where they're at today, and we'll talk about what Jason Rapert is trying to do as well about letting you use money out of 529s uh, to play towards uh, private schooling for your children uh, in their, uh, you know, regular schooling. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, Brenda, we've got Joe uh, with us here from Conduit for Action. So let's start off with uh, District 16, guys. Give me your thoughts. Tomorrow is Tomorrow's the election, correct? Early voting starts tomorrow. The election is the 13th. Okay. So I ha- I had on Mark Johnson today. He was thinking it was uh, tomorrow, so was I. But it is kind of tomorrow because it's early voting that starts tomorrow. So everybody can start casting their ballots. What are you guys feeling? Are you feeling the momentum for uh, Bailey or for the other candidate? Oh, absolutely, Bob. Uh response door to door is incredible uh if if uh what we hear from people that we talk to is any indication uh they're not pleased with asa or brianne okay well she's she said that she's a you know a a strong supporter uh, of the governor she's been very uh you know very uh, actively saying that so she's she's tied herself to to his coattails has she not well, absolutely, and, and his uh, slew of lobbyists that fund her campaign. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was here this past week, did an event for Brian, and it's my understanding. I mean, I saw the invitation. I did not go. And, um, you know, I think that maybe she's had some mailers showing that uh, the our local U.S. Uh, senator, that she's campaigned for him before. So if her campaigning for Tom Cotton will get her elected, you know, maybe it will. But uh, the the regular people, I mean, Bob is just the people's choice. I think Brianne is the establishment's choice. All right. Uh, has she been out, been active as well, or has, has she been coasting a little bit? She, I, we don't really know. Okay. All right. But you know that Bob is out there stirring it up, right? Absolutely. It's a lot of excitement around his campaign. All right. Yeah, well, that's I mean, good. I, yeah, we, we have a lot of positive feedback. It looks great. Yeah, there's, a, there's an event tonight in Russellville at his campaign headquarters tonight. That, that ought to be really interesting. Why don't you come on over? There's a long Another ride. <laughs> Just an hour. Oh, you, you don't. You take, take your limousine and your driver and tell them to come over. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've got, I've got a limousine driver. Her name is my wife. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be, well, I'll what be we tell family. everybody, you know, Dave, is that every Senator in the state, there are 35 state senators. Every one of them affects, uh, affects you no matter where you live. Talking about Mark Johnson in Senate district 15, if he's elected, it'll affect us in Fayetteville. I mean, you know, it matters. And people ask us that, why are you in our district? I said, well, why is your Senator voting to affect my life? Yeah, it seemed that I had an interview with Mark in the last hour. Uh, you know, I talked to him about uh, uh, Arkansas Works, and he said as it is constructed now, he couldn't vote for it. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing is it, it's never going to be quite enough to vote for if you're a conservative, but it seems to always stay alive for whatever reason. They they. they find some way to get somebody to vote for it. Well, it's going to be, you know, they're saying that, or Joe, that they do not believe, uh, from what I'm reading that during the, 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 uh, the, uh, fiscal session that they have the votes. Does that mean when we come back for the special session, that's supposed to be by, uh, for the pharmacists that they're going to th- they think they're going to have the votes then. You know, that's hard to say. Some of these elections, uh, the primaries, might have something to do with that. But back to your back to the other earlier point. If if anybody looks at it with with a clear set of eyes, and they could easily make the case that had the geniuses in Little Rock decided to go with traditional Medicaid expansion, not this private insurance, that they probably would have yeah. saved in the neighborhood of. A, a billion two over this four-year period, but as long as it wasn't their money, it was that wasn't a driving factor in it because the state came out pretty good. If you forget that you're a federal taxpayer as well, so you know the guaranteed four or five hundred dollars a month that they've been doing for four years is much more than the traditional Medicaid cost fee for service, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of. 275 to 375 per person per month. So the math is not in the favor and never has been for this private option, but people don't understand it. And the establishment has uh, really good talking points to distract people into thinking it's conservative. 
It's going to be interesting because I'm seeing things happening in other states. Doesn't mean it happened in our state, but I am seeing in other states where the governors are allowing their insurance commissioners to go out and uh, put together non-ACA-approved health care policies that are significantly lower than what is offered through uh, Obamacare. Uh, Idaho is a perfect example of that. I mean, like, they're two-thirds cheaper than what ACA is. I don't understand why we wouldn't do something like that, turn Alan Kerr loose and let him see what he can come up with. It's, it's as if nobody wants to try anything really different at all. Well, it's really all about the special interests. If you, if you really look at the campaign financing over the past three or four years, health care has dominated the campaign funding for most of the people that are for it. Okay. I mean, it's just clear as the nose on your face. But yeah, I I, I, I agree with what you're saying because all you got to do is look at the, the filings to see that. Exactly. Yep. Yep. There's that. The transparency is a wonderful thing, but you got to be able to look at it. Yeah. Well, and you got to want to act on it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I, look, you can be as transparent as you want to be, but if the average Joe and Joette aren't checking it out and understanding what it is that they're seeing, uh, you're in trouble. Well, we've heard, uh, not to speak on Charlie Collins, but, you know, I, I know he has always been a big proponent that, once you give someone something free, you can't dare take it away. Well, so much of this um, Medicaid expansion, I wonder how many people even really know or take advantage of, of what there is that they've been offered. If you read some of the reports, I think the Foundation of Government Accountability put out a report recently that said, you know, the Medicaid expansion in Rowley is five times more likely to use the emergency room. Well, I thought we did this in order to keep them out of the emergency room. You I know, did too. All of the, all of the, talking points and the bullet points as to why we needed to pass it and of course we could dig that back up you know four years ago i've still got the same files and they're still applicable but all of those reasons why we needed to pass it will undoubtedly prove if i if we were to look at them that those things did not come about or did not happen the only thing i would say that did happen and they brag about this all the time is that hey look how many more people have insurance now well duh yeah, buy everybody insurance, and now everybody's got insurance. Yeah, well, well they're, they're, they're geniuses. Well, the uh, the governor got what he was asking for. He he got his uh, his uh, Trump to 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 okay their work don't requirement. Say, don't don't say it. That's, there is no work requirement. There's I, no such thing. I agree but with you if- that there's there's so many loopholes in that that it's almost non-existent what about the 138 percent above poverty levels above the 100 to 138 percent i was told that that was not granted that waiver it was not but But so that's really where the money is Dave. i agree that's sixty thousand people yeah the others like uh pelosi or whoever said the rest is just crumbs well we would take the simple step the the compromise if you would step of saying the the Private option, Arkansas Works experiment is over. Everybody that's on it is not going to get kicked off. They're going to go to traditional Medicaid, and the government, the federal government, will 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 do the same split, 
and now instead of paying guaranteed four uh, five hundred and seventy five a month, it's a fee for service, which is likely going to be less than three hundred a month. Now that would be a no brainer, and nobody would lose coverage, and the the money would be the same, except the state is not going to get its two and a half percent premium tax. Correct, and that's probably a big driving force in in some of this. Well, yeah. and you know you've got a lot of contractors that'll be out of out of uh, contracts. Yeah, which is probably why it hasn't happened anytime uh, you know since, and won't happen anytime soon. Is because there's too many people that got their hands in the cookie jars, y'all. Well, that, that's why I said it, at the outset, uh, what is the difference? You know, Republicans and Democrats. They're, they're making government bigger, and they're, they're benefiting from careers in government. So in that sense, there's not a heck of a lot of difference. You know, you're talking about the special interest in who's involved and who benefits. It's really the taxpayer, the, the public, who's left out of the scenario, the special interest that's avoided and not, not spoke, you know, no one speaks for those that special interest. And that is what conduit tries to accomplish. And, you know, to be quite frankly, and to quote whine a bit, uh, you know, we get a lot of bad press because we say hard things that the establishment and special interests don't want to hear. And just because they're hard doesn't mean they're not true. And people don't like truth when it's not what they want, you know, to hear spoken out loud, especially if you're conservative and stand on the opposite. Well, I would agree with that. All right, we got to take our final break. I'll be back with you, Joe, and back with you, Brenda, in just a moment. Conduitforaction.org. Go there, read the articles. In fact, there's an article on their site that I want to talk about when we come back. Uh, Senator Jason Rayford uh, wants to use money that you've been saving for your child's college fund and release that money to you so that you can put your child for instance, in a private school while they're in high school or grade school or whatever. We'll talk about that and and what uh, our uh, folks from Conduit for Action thinks about its chances of becoming law. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're at 96.5 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about Lewis Family Beef in Greenbrier. Their cattle born on their ranch and raised on their ranch. And then uh, you buy them, and they end up in your freezer. By the way, no antibiotics. If they have to give a cow antibiotics, uh, they do not sell that cow for consumption, and they do not fill that cow up uh, with more hormones than what the cattle uh, or the cow itself produces. They don't do it artificially, and 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 uh, they try to put a little bit more weight on the cow. They're hormone free as far as additional hormones go. This is clean beef for your family with free delivery anywhere here in central Arkansas. They'll sell you a quarter, a half or a whole cow. The packing house calls you to set up how you want it cut. Uh, then the Lewis family, when it, that beef is ready, will deliver it to your home at absolutely no cost. And their cattle are raised stress-free uh, because they're out on the range, basically, eating and munching on grass. Leads to, uh, you know, less amounts of cortisol, which means that the muscles uh, haven't tensed up a lot 
and keeps the meat tender. Call Cody or Sarah at 501-514-1494, 501-514-1494, or ask questions also at their Facebook account. It's facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Get the best tasting beef. Get Lewis family beef. Claiming uh, social security benefits is complicated and confusing, gets worse because the government changes the rules all the time. And with those changes comes different decisions. So ultimately, uh, if you don't know what you're doing, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of the benefits you are supposed to collect can also mean increased taxes and higher Medicare premiums. So what you need to do is go to uh, uh, David Lucas's uh, educational social security workshops. His next one is this month on the 29th and 30th. You got two nights to choose from. Now, remember last year he did 17 of these and they were all sold out because of his expertise. So uh, give the call to 501 653 6690. That's 501-66, uh, 653-6690. Or go online to davidlucasfinancial.com. Uh, it's $18. You get a 34-page maximizing Social Security workbook, and you'll come out knowing a whole lot more, excuse me, a whole lot more about Social Security than you did when you started. That's 501 653 6690. Uh, seats are selling out. Need to call. Get your seat now. All right, let's go finish up with uh, Joe and Brenda. They're in Russellville for a big uh, uh, voters bash tonight uh, in District 16. And uh, what do you all think about what uh, Senator Rapert is doing about using 529 money that people are saving for their kids for college? And using it instead for sending them to a private school, uh, whether in high school, middle school, grade school, whatever. Um, well, you mentioned a few minutes ago our article on Conduit for Action, yes. uh, dot org, and it's a great article. It's short. It summarizes it. But uh, what, I really want to applaud Senator Rapert for this bill. I think it's a great idea. Uh, all it's doing is mimicking the federal tax law that's recently passed, end of December. I mean, Arkansas just, you know, is already being punished. We're paying high tax rates. The new law has limited our deduction to $10,000 to allow parents or grandparents to use that money for K through 12 private school is a no-brainer. I mean, if if uh, Charlene Fight can argue that we need more military retirees, they're great people in the state, we should promote them coming here, give them a tax exemption on their income. Why not allow people to, uh, you know, send their children to the school of their choice and let them, you're already paying taxes for public school. Why not encourage those people who want their children to get the best education and let them deduct it just like the federal government is allowing us to do? Why does Arkansas want to hold us back? Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. It's really important, uh, you know, looking at some of the Facebook comments that we got in our article, it's really important that people understand that what is not going to go on with this bill is it's not going to take one cent away from public school funding. It's not going to take one penny away from the current funding. So if 
a person was to save money, have it tax exempt, and pay for a private school, then the school would actually make more money because it has one less student, but it's still getting the exact same money for that student. You mean the public schools? The public schools. We get the same money that they're exactly. getting now. So it's not going to affect the public school financing one cent. Now, I would propose that we should and we would support the money, the public money following the student. Now, that might be a little bit extreme for some people, but that's the way it should be. This is not even approaching that step. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm all about what you're saying, Joe. I'm I'm all about you know we call it scholarships now. Uh, we used to call it, of course, you want money and uh, you know you want to pay it. We used to call it. I won't even use the word because I don't want people to equate them together. But uh, they it was made into a naughty word, basically. Well, I, I would like to see did uh, Representative Charlene fight vote for this bill. I mean, I don't know that she she was not on the committee, perhaps that that wouldn't let it out of committee or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, the people who would defend uh, the military tax exemption bill should be ashamed of themselves not to rush to get to vote to pass this. This is investing in our future. In the, a lot of small business people have their children in private school, or some do. I mean, this is, this well, is investing in freedom and education. It's also part of the Republican platform, as I recall. And, you know, what it's doing is uh, I, I saw the calculations and I really wasn't sure that um, uh, it's really calculated correctly, that it would actually potentially cost the state the number that they said. You know, that's if every single person in private school uses it or some calculation that did not really seem reasonable. Well, just think how much money public schools would have then. They would have no students and millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Yeah, well, it comes down to this. Uh, they're all good about talking about school choice until they vote for school choice. I mean, I was stunned in the last general session when they were going for the uh, school choice bill, and it was like 30% of the Republicans voted for it, and the rest of them voted against it because they're running scared from the teacher's uniform. Well, that's, that's Breanne Davis's position. She would not have voted for that, is, is uh, what she said. And yet she wants to argue, I've heard from, from people that have talked with her, that it's not true that she's not for school choice. But she did say in family council survey that she uh, would vote against that bill that, that was proposed. All right. I'll let you both go. Enjoy yourselves tonight, and we'll get together next Monday, all right? Thanks, Dave. We'll miss you. All right. We'll see you then on Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Fox News next, then Robert Steinbach joins us. All right, we'll move into the final hour of a Monday show. Tomorrow, power panels on. Uh, we just confirmed Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us at 3.30. Bible guys will be on with us, of course, at uh, 5 o'clock. So it should be a eventful Tuesday, to say the least, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But joining us... Uh, here in the last hour on a Monday, as he always does, Robert Steinbach is with us on the Dave Ellswick show, Robert, how has your day been? And, uh, what's in on, on your radar today? Day's been busy and radar is current events. Okay. First Amendment. We always talk about first amendment. Oh yeah. Show, of course. Well, what's, uh, what do you want to start with, Dave? You tell me. Well, you know, we can we can start off uh, last night. 
uh, one of the lowest uh, rated Oscar shows, down 30% from last year, which was one of the lowest rated Oscar telecasts. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel, everybody knew when it was announced he was going to be the uh, uh, host of the show, that it was going to be nothing more than a... uh, you know, attack on the president, the vice president, and more importantly, right. just on the American electorate. It, it's really a, a wonderful intersection by raising the Oscars. I was talking recently with some leftists, and I said, look, you guys are free to have your face-melting events where the sky is falling, all that kind of thing. And in the typical leftist snark, the response was, well, thank you for giving me permission uh, to say the things I want to say. And, of course, I wasn't doing that. No. I was recognizing that the left and the right and anybody in between and anybody further past has the inherent right uh, repeated in our Constitution to free speech. And I was telling them, just because you have that right to free speech doesn't mean you're using it effectively to achieve your goals, not my goals. Your goals. So how do I relate this to the Oscars? When the leftists, uh, uh, in in their diamond-encrusted gowns and their silk-embroidered tuxedos, show up to these events and start preaching to the rest of the country what is right and what is wrong, they're allowed to do that, 100%. And by the way, all they do is solidify the president's supporters. So. I'm trying to give them free advice. I'm trying to tell them, look, you guys keep doing it as far as I'm concerned, but I'll actually come out of my side for a moment to just tell you, I don't think you're achieving your goals. But if that's what you want to do, keep up the snark, keep up the the detachment from reality, keep living in those ivory towers and and, uh, being limousine liberals, have at it. And that's what that show was about. Well, it was interesting in that, uh, you had this show and you've got people that most people think are, you know, real, real liberal out of touch with America type people. And then they open their mouths and they prove it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like that old joke when they, when, if you're ignorant, keep your mouth shut so that people aren't quite sure. And and what these people uh, at the Oscars, et cetera, is they're a bunch of leftists, and they tell everyone they are. Again, they're free by their God-given rights as in, uh, as reflected in the Constitution to do so, and they're, as far as they uh, believe, they're doing the right thing. I, I believe, I suspect, that in the end, they're not going to achieve their goals because they alienate most of America, including uh, the vast majority of our Kansans. But again, they are free to do, not because I grant them permission, not because I control that, quite the contrary, because I don't, because they have that right inherently. Yeah, what's going to be interesting is if this is going to start to spill over on these actors and actresses that get up in, in front of all of these people uh, there in Hollywood and also on national television and say how much they hate middle America, basically, you know, Jennifer Lawrence has been really good at doing that. And her last three movies, 
including the one that opened this uh, weekend, Red uh, Sparrow, have been bombs. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, uh, this is a risk that they take because there are some um, uh, actors who don't discuss their politics because they recognize that they are a commodity and they want to stay that way. That's a business decision. There are other actors who decide, notwithstanding the commodity value of my acting, I am a citizen and I'm entitled to say whatever I want. That's true. I always emphasize that point. Uh, But the two bleed over and they have a risk of having their politics harm their business. But again, they're entitled to make that decision. Uh, but, yeah, those things are uh, are not disconnected. The public doesn't like to be preached to, particularly by actors who, for the most part, don't have any particular claim to better judge the political circumstances than the audience to whom they're preaching. So, again, like when you and I talk to our neighbors, we are on equal footing and nobody claims to be better than the other. Uh, But I'm not sure if I want to turn on the television and have my neighbor telling me why I should vote for somebody or not vote for somebody, not because I don't like my neighbor, uh, but because I'm not sure what the relevance of that is. And so the problem, and this is, I'm not, I have not discovered anything new when I say the problem with actors is they think themselves relevant to more areas of life than their occupation actually dictates because they're popular, but they're popular for their movies, not their political views. And so they have, they, they run the risk significantly of pissing off people in, uh, the, um, uh, in the general public. And but that's a choice they can make. Yeah. All right. So let let me move on and talk about the NRA for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Guess what has happened to the memberships at the NRA since everybody has been attacking them? It's pretty much I could have told you this would happen, but exactly. it is absolutely happening. Do you have any idea? Oh, well, I've seen it on the news, but I, like you, am not surprised that the NRA membership is going up, not down, because we understand this is, in fact, Dave, I suspect you recognize this when you point this out. This is exactly the same type of effect that we just talked about, right? When people on the left, their faces melt, they lose it, they go bonkers, whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, uh, and and they're pulling their hair, screaming, Trump's a Nazi, and other kind of just patently absurd statements, Uh, what they do is they push people into supporting Trump. Uh, Now, within their own echo chamber, they all feel good. They're all patting themselves on the back, uh, of course. But in in the end, they're not achieving their goals. And the same thing we see with the NRA when the left starts pulling their hair out, face melting and losing it. <laughs> what, and screaming at the NRA, the NRA is the devil. They don't call them the Nazis. Perhaps they do. I don't know, but they call them the devil. And what happens? NRA membership goes up, not yeah. down. Let me just give you this. This is from a, re- a report uh, from Google. Google mm-hmm. searches for NRA membership rose. since the Florida attack. 4,900%. The rise occurred at a time when many Democrats 
media personalities and Hollywood celebrities were denouncing the NRA as casual in the shooting that took 17 lives in a gun-free zone. Again, mm-hmm. 4,900%. That's incredible. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's incredible. It really, and, and down here, a former Cleta Mitchell, who is a former NRA board member and former Oklahoma lawmaker, had this to say, quote, there is no one, no one, in caps, who joins the NRA for a discount on a rental car. You, <laughs> you can rest assured that the NRA will not lose a single member as a result of this. If anything, it should spur people to join the NRA as a means of demonstrating that we who believe in the Second Amendment are not going to be bullied by left-wing multi-billion-dollar corporations. Well, indeed, nobody joins the NRA for, I would posit, any of the discounts. Uh, I think that the, 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 the discounts are an added benefit if you can get them. But as a political organization, the NRA attracts people who want to express their sympathy uh, with the, the, the ideas of the organization and, of course, the Second Amendment. So it's really uh, – all of this fits together in the same puzzle perfectly and, most importantly, predictably. That is, you tell me as a Second Amendment supporter and if someone is an NRA member that you're going to do something against me because you don't like guns and you're going to take away some ancillary minor benefit from me, uh, the average NRA member's response is doubling down. I'll take two memberships. I'll mm-hmm. take a membership for life, and I'll buy two for my kids. <laughs> so, it, right? And so, uh, have at it. Have at it. Yep. That was exactly the point that we started this conversation with that I was making to this leftist when I said, the Constitution recognizes your right to free speech, notwithstanding your snark to me, but you should perhaps think about the goal you're trying to achieve because I think you're not achieving it by always have having your face melting uh that's an uh, analogy obviously when you're uh talking about trump by the way the reference to face melting uh, as you uh, a, a good aficionado of movies uh, will know dave raiders of the um, lost ark exactly exactly <laughs> I, every time you don't, say that it's that guy looking into the ark <laughs> exactly and his eyeballs don't, fall out don't stare God in the face. That's right. You're going to win. You won't win. You're exactly right. That's right. All right, Robert, you hang in there. When we come yep. back, tell me about your thoughts about Netanyahu and what's going on in Israel. All right. Absolutely. We will Absolutely. do that in just a second. Don't forget about my good friends at PI Roofing, now PI Roofing and uh, Home Solutions, your roof leak detectives. They started off as just your roof leak detectives and PI Roofing, and now Home Solutions. They became the best roofing company here in central Arkansas. You call them, you're getting water in your house. They will dispatch someone as soon as they can, and they'll make sure they stop that water for getting into your house. They know that's where all the, the secondary damage comes from, is the water getting in there. I mean, you're looking at drywall being destroyed, 
stains being set, uh, insulation having problems. So the bottom line is to go to PI roofing because they'll fix your roof. But then, and they understood this was a problem, when you had to go out and find different kinds of people to fix all those different kinds of problems that the water caused. You had to get somebody to paint. You got to get somebody to do drywall. Had to get somebody to get rid of mold, get somebody to do this, get somebody else to do that. And typically it's a different company that has to do everything, but not any longer. Now it's PI roofing who does that. You just talk to PI roofing to fix your roof, then say, okay, what will be the charge to take care of the stains on my ceiling, the damage to my drywall, uh, doing work on my insulation and perhaps some exterior painting and carpentry work as well. And they'll tell you, they got people that are hired and work for PI roofing that that's what they do. Get it done with one, uh, easy, uh, group of people. That's PI roofing and home solutions. Get them on the web, find them at piroofing.com or call 501-687-6246. You know, claiming your social security benefits can be really complicated, can be confusing because the federal government's always changing the rules on you. They did it again this year and ultimately can cost you tens of thousands of dollars in lost lifetime benefits. It can cost you money in increased taxes, higher Medicare premiums. That's why it's important for you to sign up for David Lucas's uh, Educational Social Security Workshops. You know him. You hear him every Saturday right here on the David Lucas Show and uh, on the you know here at the Answer. And he has done seventeen of these Educational Social Security Workshops. Last year, all of them sold out. So that tells you what I'm going to tell you next. You need to call and get set up for one of the chairs. Make your reservation. 29th and 30th of March. All you have to do is call 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. Pay your 18 bucks. You're going to get a 34-page Maximizing Social Security Workbook. You're going to show up at one of these educational uh, Social Security workshops. And when you walk out, uh, you'll have a pretty doggone good answer about how you should go about compl- you know, taking that complicated step of, of claiming your Social Security uh, benefits. Because there's some things out there that can change the way that you should uh take your benefits. So don't lose out, you know, keep all your money, 501-653-6690, or go online and do it online by going to davidlucasfinancial.com. And remember that is for the 29th and 30th of uh, this month. You can pick the 29th or the 30th, but do it now. The, The seats are going quickly already and uh, you don't want to get time to try to get there and find out all the seats are sold out. All right, Robert Steinbach is with us. He is a a legal professor or a professor of law at the Bowen School of Law, UALR. His opinions are his and his opinion alone and do not necessarily reflect that 
of the university or of the law school, and probably even more so now that we're going to talk about Israel. So what do you think about this whole thing about Netanyahu, uh, them going out saying that uh, he's dirty in some way? Obviously, I don't know what the underlying facts are in that situation. Israel is a very political country, and they have a lot of fighting uh, amongst political parties. So oftentimes you will see politicians being accused of taking money, taking bribes, this kind of thing. However, sometimes it's true. So I don't know what the specific facts are with Netanyahu. I do know that he came to the the U.S. today. He met with Donald Trump, and he made a very important statement in my mind. He said, Harry Truman was literally the first world leader to recognize the state of Israel. The U.N. declared it a state, and then, of course, individual countries chose whether or not to recognize it. Donald Trump was the first world leader and first U.S. president to recognize Jerusalem as its capital. And that really is an historic moment. And as we remember Harry Truman's actions, we are going to remember um, Donald Trump's actions in the very same fashion. And again, it shows the hypocrisy of both the left and the right. You know, Dave, I will criticize the right when they're deserving of criticism as well. Of course, rightly so. Right? Exactly. Because there's perhaps few things worse than hypocrisy. Murder is worse than hypocrisy. But hypocrisy is pretty darn bad. And both the left and the right would routinely say, we're going to move the embassy of the U.S. to Jerusalem once we take office. And every time they took office, they found some sort of excuse not to do it. Donald Trump made the same claim. And so far, it seemed like the same thing. And the difference is he actually kept his promise because unlike politicians, nobody told Donald Trump, good thing, that you're supposed to say one thing and do another. (laughs) Yeah, come May, we're going to be in Jerusalem. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, during Passover, which, as you know, was Jesus' last supper, when we celebrate the Passover, that's the exodus of the Jews from Egypt, we say, next year in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And now we can add, next year in Jerusalem, and we'll stop by the U.S. Embassy. All right. You stay right where you're at. We got Fox News coming up. When we come back, this trade war everybody's so scared about because of the president uh, heading out and, and telling China we're going to hit them with a tax on steel and aluminum. The Dow closed up 336 points today. We'll talk about it all here in just a moment. My guest, Robert Steinbeck, back after Fox News. All right, we continue before I get into our last story, because I think the the last story, it's three stories in one, but I I think it's a great story, to be honest with you. Uh, You've got uh, a situation where the president's saying he's going to have uh, some tariffs on aluminum and steel. I think it's uh, 25 cents on steel, 10, 10 cents uh, a, you know, a pound on, on aluminum. And everybody was freaking out last week. Uh, the uh, uh, Wall Street went crazy. And so everybody was watching 
seeing what Wall Street would do today, and Wall Street turned around and went up 336 points. Boom. Another big boom. Another big move up. Uh, there are people who don't like what the president is doing, uh, dealing with uh, the whole thing uh, with tariffs. Robert, this is a president, when he ran for the presidency, said he's the president that makes deals. Seems to me that this is the president trying to uh, uh, change a trade deal that we had with the Chinese. And the Chinese have been taking advantage of dumping steel and aluminum in this country for too many years in the eighties, it was uh, Canada that was doing this and nobody did anything to stop it. And the American steel industry, uh, got lambasted because of it. And Dave, let's talk about for a moment for your audience, what dumping means, because in one respect you hear dumping, that means I could, if somebody dumped a whole bunch of blue jeans on the market, I would expect the price of blue jeans would go down and I could buy blue jeans more cheaply. And as a consumer, I'd say, great. But dumping is actually against the law. It's an antitrust violation. It's a monopoly violation. Because what dumping is, when in this case, when a foreign government takes, say, steel, and they subsidize it so that the American, say, automakers or whatever it may be, can buy that steel, at a much cheaper price than they could buy American steel. Again, you might say, oh, that's great, cheap cars. But that price is not what it actually costs to make. And the reason, say, China would dump steel on the U.S. market at very low prices is so that the purchasers of those steel, the car companies, etc., would get used to, to buying from China. The American companies wouldn't be able to compete because China is, is charging less than it costs to make because in the long run, what they're hoping is the American companies go out of business and then that's when monopoly pricing comes in. Yeah, they and come China in and they of, raise it up then. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the problem. The dumping itself actually is not the problem. It's the rebound. It's what happens after the dumping. It causes otherwise competitive businesses to be forced out of business and then the initial dumper jacks up the prices to what are known as monopoly prices Correct. and if you think of the board game monopoly those aren't good prices right that's why one of the two primary reasons that countries put on tariffs to prevent the the dumping the second reason is for national security let's say we 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 might say we're putting a tariff on foreign guns so that American gun makers make guns more competitively, so to speak, uh, for the military, so that if we go to war, we make sure that we have a company here making those guns. That one uh, is separate from the dumping argument, and those are the two primary arguments being made. How they relate here... I can't tell you exactly. I can't tell you how much dumping is taking place, although, as you point out, China has been known to have been doing dumping in the past. And as to the national security issue regarding steel or or aluminum, that's perhaps beyond my ability to say one way or the other. I just don't know. But those are the bases. So when you hear people say, well, 
you can never put a tariff. By the way, I love that I'm hearing all the leftists now being free marketeers. I tend <laughs> to be a free marketeer. So you need a basis. I've told you the two bases. Now, if people want to say those bases were not satisfied here, that's a legitimate objection then. If they are not satisfied, then it's a legitimate objection to tariffs. But I love how the left is coming out. Oh, well, we can't do that. Wait a second. You guys were supporting Bernie. Bernie's all for this kind of thing. But that's how politics have devolved uh, today. Uh, that is, the, the, the tribe that you're in determines whether or not you support the proposition, not the underlying value of the proposition. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly about that. I, I just think that, uh, that people turned against Trump like, like that. And I, one thing I've learned about Trump, if he's doing something, there is a reason for it. And typically all the doomsday sayers that are out there are normally wrong about what the results is going to be. Well, we can relate this when they, uh, the face melters, if I may, were complaining about, oh, Trump said that the Obama administration was tapping Trump Tower. And he, he Trump, is, is, doesn't know what he's talking about, said the leftists. And then all this stuff is coming out about Carter Page, about the Pfizer warrants, uh, about the unmasking. And you know that there were recordings of conversations of people in Trump Tower now. So as crazy as they called him in that regard, I suspect he's turned out to be much closer to crazy like a fox. So I'm not willing to just say no dice uh, to what's going on here. I don't know all the information about what underlies the trade disputes. That's beyond my expertise. So unfortunately, I can't opine on that. But I think that it's very easy, it has been very easy or facile for the left to constantly call Trump crazy, and they're getting burned by it. And that was the point that I opened our conversation with today. Well, the Chinese have had record steel production in the last few years. Uh, USX and Nucor and a few other steel companies have been calling foul because they've dropped their prices significantly and have been putting that steel into the American market. And it's hurting USX because they can't make the steel at the price that the Chinese are making it uh, or, or charging for it, not making right. it, and but charging for it. Well, and, and that's the key, Dave. It, it, China may be able to make steel more cheaply than America. That's competition. Uh, let's say Ford makes cars more efficiently than Chevy or vice versa, so that I'm not advantaging anybody. Uh, if Ford can make a car more efficiently, then the price will be cheaper. If China can actually get the steel to the U.S. more cheaply than American companies can without subsidizing it, that's, that's the key. The key. That's, that's correct. How much money are you getting directly from the government? I mean, Europe has done this for years. That's right. Subsidize right. their industries, which that's right. for the most part, our industries are not. And then right. that makes them on their price point be lower uh, than uh, the companies here in the United States. And make no doubt about it. It can just be a few cents. And oh, companies look at that and say, Wow, look, we can save millions of dollars this way. 
That's, that's absolutely right. Uh, and that's the problem when you're dealing with a communist nation. I'll give you an analogy. I think it's uh, Qatar Airlines. It's Emirates Airlines. I don't recall which one. They're owned by the government, but the government are a bunch of very rich sheikhs, and they subsidize the airline, and they are able to drive prices down below cost Mm -hmm. at times. And their response is, no, we're just investing in our companies. (laughs) And that's the problem. When there is no distinction between government and business, they will often make the claim, no, 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 this is not uh, price fixing. This is not distortion. This is not antitrust monopolistic violation. This is simply the investor investing in the business. But it's not quite often. And that's the real problem. Well, the bottom line is, is that I think we'll see more of this. I I thought I heard Trump kind of rattling his sword a little bit about the, uh, the automakers, you know? Right. Right. Well, uh, it depends which automakers we're talking about, right? I, I don't think, for example, the German automakers are particularly subsidized by the state. Uh, now they're not cheap cars either. So that's the question. I I will say this, in terms of being uh, pro-trade, which I generally am, that is, if you hearken back to when the U.S. imported far fewer foreign cars, um, there was far less pressure on the American companies to make better cars and to make cheaper cars. And when they had to compete more with foreign cars, uh, the quality of both the foreign and the domestic automobile went up. That's what competition does. It breeds improvement. And international competition is more competition than solely domestic competition. So it breeds improvement. So we should want to trade with the world, but only on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the key. Free trade is fine as long right. as everybody is playing by the same rules. That's it, brother. You got it. You know, I mean, look, we've been, we were punished by Japan for years trying to put our cars into their country. Right. And we did not fight back by causing, uh, by putting a large tariff on their products coming into our country to level the cost of products. You have to level a playing field. If if another country is not letting your product in, then you can't let their product in. The same way, be it through tariffs, be it through quotas, these are all different methods to achieve the same goal. Free trade has to be both directions. Otherwise, it's not free. That's exactly right. Robert Steinbach is my guest. I've got one more segment with him. When we come back, we're going to talk about something that happened in Searcy. And now to give you a few more minutes to read over those uh, articles we sent you, Robert, to get yes. your feel about what's being said here uh, in, yes. the, in the story. So when we come back, we're going to talk about two reporters who went to two high schools in Searcy to see how long it would take for them to notice that they weren't students. To say that the schools got upset is an understatement uh, because it showed that the schools weren't so good at detecting students that shouldn't have been there. We'll be back in a moment and we'll talk about that with Robert Steinbach, who, by the way, 
is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law, new ALR, and his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect those of the university or the law school. All right, back. A couple of uh, people that were hired by a local newspaper in Searcy to go into the the local, a couple of local high schools uh, were called, but it was so, it was so interesting. Let me just read something here, Robert, that I found interesting because in many cases, when you have something set up to protect a group or a building or whatever, you'll do tests on that. You'll have people come in and try to circumvent uh, what you've set up to see where your failings might be. And uh, evidently in Cersei said, they said that these uh, folks uh, had contacted them if somebody would just go with them around the school, and they said no. Cersei School District is not interested in an undercover operation for the benefit of a news story. The two reporters were not arrested, nor were they officially cited. Police say if they returned to the schools without permission, they could be subject to harsher consequences. I guess my whole thing is, uh, if it did, if it didn't work, and if these kids were uh, picked up, uh, so to speak, and picked out by other students, then uh, you prove that you're in good shape. If they didn't, you know. You should know it. Right. Look, let, let's let's be clear what happened here, because you know what happened here. You had two local reporters contact the school and say, can we come and look around? Can you give us a guided tour of your security? They said, we're not interested. Mm-hmm. So the two local reporters then go out to the school on their own. And guess what? They get in and they walk around for more than five minutes on their own. Why? Because there's not sufficient security. That's that right. school, whatever it may be, isn't alone. Our schools are not hardened enough. I've been saying this for years. In fact, I, I made this claim, uh, well, in any event, I don't want to pat myself on the back, so to speak, particularly that this is not about reward. This is not about blame. This is about our current need. Our current need is to harden our schools. They are not secure places. So declaring, as this school did, well, you're supposed to check in with the principal, and you're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to not carry a gun on campus if you're a murderer. And guess what? The murderer violates all of those rules. So stop thinking that the whole world is a bunch of third graders and you're the principal. This is often the problem with administrators at schools across the country. They think everybody listens to them like they're in charge all the time. And the problem is bad guys are going to come onto your property and do bad things. And if it's not your school, it's another school. And so we need to have real security so that people off the street can't walk into the school and real security, meaning armed police on campus. Yeah, or teachers on campus. Oh, that's right. Oh, you know. oh that's right. That's right. Uh, um, uh, Collins's, Charlie Collins's campus carry is more relevant now than it has ever been. And 
the thing is, Arkansans who carry guns and have a license and then get the enhanced license, the one thing they do know is how to handle a firearm. So when the left face melt, as they do, and keep saying, oh, these teachers don't know what they're doing. If they don't know what they're doing, they don't have the license. Well, Again, hey, Robert, it doesn't mean... Here's, here's the point. If they allow yeah. the teachers, there's going to be even more training involved. Exactly. I exactly. mean, they'll, they'll have something else that they have to do. There'll be active shooter training or something of that ilk for these guys to go through. Did you read in the story, the school posted all these different rules about their, uh, their protection and how they didn't have to, you know, give that information out or anything. This sounds like the whole FOIA battle all over again. Well, that's right. It's all the same issue. Too often, the response to the Freedom of Information Act and the response to to transparency so that taxpayers and citizens know what their government is doing is, oh, we can't tell you. It's secret. It's private. It's security. Now, sometimes that's true. But the problem is, too often, far too often, and we see countless examples thereof, it's not true. It's a bureaucrat covering their behinds. And that's not what we're paying those bureaucrats to do. And so, oh, we can't tell you this, and we can't tell you that. And it just starts to grate. And so every time we see an assault on the Freedom of Information Act in the legislature, we must be ever vigilant to push back because this is the problem. When our kids go to school and we want to know, are you keeping our schools safe? I don't want to hear as a response. I can't tell you that. It's yeah. a big secret. Well, here's the key. There, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, uh, to tell the parents, uh, your child has until X amount of time to come into school. At that time, right. all doors will be, will be shut. And the only way That's they're right. going to be able to get in is that they call the office and tell them they're at the front door. Would you come and let them in? You know, That's basically, right. uh, That's right. we have armed security on campus more than one. You don't have to be That's more right. specific, but you exactly. need to allow everybody to know that there is somebody or the school system is doing what is necessary to keep your child safe. I, I was watching CNN. I'm sorry. I still do. I shouldn't, perhaps. And Jake Tapper was actually asking some interviewee, you know, Trump said that he would have gone into the school. He would have run into the school. Now, Trump's a parent, and I think any parent would say that. And I think most parents would believe that, and I think many parents would do that. And yet they would say, well, really, do you think he would? Does he have? And then there was this other reporter. What kind of training does he have? And it's merely the statement of a parent and a president who's saying what each and every one of us uh, would say, I believe, which is, of course, we would risk our lives, whether or not we're trained, whether or not we would add value, whether or not we're capable to save the lives of innocent children. But the snark from the left knows no bounds. If Obama made the same statement, they would say, look at him saving our children. Yeah, I agree. Robert, thanks so much. We'll get together next Monday. Till then, you have a good week. God bless. All right, Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you tomorrow. Power panels in. 
Congressman Bruce Westerman is in uh, from Washington, D.C., and the Bible Guys at 5 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.